1: Hi military moms, this is Sandra Beck and I am here with Robin Boyd. Robin, how are we doing this week? Hey, great. How are you Sandra? Very, very good. I have a, I'm so excited about today's show. I want to lead in right off with who our guest is today. It's Rita Cosby. Uh, the author of Quiet Hero, and we've brought her on in preparation for Father's Day coming up next perfect. week, and it's just such a great book, Robin. I'm so excited that we're going to bring her on later in the show. I am too. This is just perfect. Um, and both of our dads uh, were in the in the service. Where, where was your dad? Uh my dad was navy and uh he was navy and he you can check him out on our website militarymomtalkradio.com in the so the photo gallery section we call it scrapbook i think we've the got scrapbook. A scrapbook page yeah cuz we've got a lot of different things in there which is kind of cool Yeah, and he was all over the world and, um, you know, brought back with that a love of uh, culture and education and all the things that we get when we travel. So I have the big travel bug from my dad. How about you? My dad was a corporal in the Marine Corps. Um, He served on Guadalcanal with the 1st Marine Division, and he was a pack howitzer gunner protecting Henderson Field while he served. So he was... uh, he he saw just one little sector of the world Well, he saw a couple of different things. He was down in Australia actually uh for quite a while. So um yeah, he was he he did all the travelling he wanted to and then I remember as a kid my mom and I would travel quite a bit here and there, and he did not want to go anywhere. He says, I did all the traveling I want to do. (laughs) You know, my dad used to say that, too. You know, he was in Libya. He was in um, Greece. He was over. He did a couple tours in the Mediterranean. Wow. um, Which was why he wouldn't go to Europe with my mom on one of these tours, so I went with my mom, which was really fun, but he did agree to go with her to China, of all places, which we all thought was really strange. We're like, wow, Dad, China, really? But, you know, you never know. Your dads are um, you know, dads are dads. And that's one of the things in this quiet hero book uh, that Rita Cosby wrote. Um, you know, the subtitle is Secrets from My Father's Past. It's amazing mm-hmm. how we learn about our parents as we grow up and they choose to reveal things. And in her book, she has some amazing, amazing stories about the things she discovered uh, in a worn leather suitcase that was tucked away uh, in her mom's house. Wow. But. It's just such an exciting story. I'm brimming with excitement. (laughs) Well, you know, isn't it wonderful that not only did she have a chance to document this, but that she had a chance to share a lot of this with her dad. I did not really get a lot of my father's stories. And actually, my husband probably knows more about my father's travels than I do. Um, and, And I think that's what's kind of nice that our guest has been able to, actually sit down and document and talk, um, and to be able to have this, just her personally to have this memoir, and then on top of that to share it with the world is just a great gift. It is. It is. And we've got great things to share. We've got some great things to update. Uh, you want to bring us into the housekeeping section of our show? Well, sure. I just thought it would be a neat way. I kind of peruse different during the week, and I've been coming up with a lot of different, um, oh, tidbits, I guess, and if we want to call, call it the, the latest buzz or in the news or something like that, I've been finding a lot of things. For example... I found an article today talking about the fact that the Department of Defense education activity officials are looking for people's feedback for military schools of the future, right down to designing them and furnishing them. The DODEA officials recently set up a three-phase plan for facilities for the 21st century learning. Uh, the first phase was to bring industry people together, educators and futurists, the second phase is now what we are uh, what we are in and they're calling for input. Um they are planning on building 100 schools through 2016. This is in line with President Obama's strengthening our military families plan. So if uh, anybody who has experience in military schools in their um, various travels as military families, they should go to a. It's a. There is no www. It's twenty first century. Dot Dot And that's two one s t. Century. D-O-D-E-A. E-D-U. And well, and it's so great, Robin, that you bring that up because our guest next week is going to be, uh, Mary Lee Fitzgerald. We have oh. her on in February. Remember, yeah. she was the, uh, you know, uh, she's over at the headquarters at the DODEA. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's coming on next week to talk about, um, a lot of things, but also to talk about, um, you know, the different changes that they're going to make in the schools and that they're hoping to make to continually improve our education to the families of our members perfect perfect well this is this is the phase that they are in right now so they're definitely looking for ideas and they're looking for input we'll have to talk to her a little bit more about this whole um, initiative that that happens to be going on right now that was that's really interesting I love the fact that they're really opening up and looking to the people who are using the facilities the most and that's the students and parents so well yeah. that's one thing that I have to say about um you know, I know a lot of people knock our government and it's a you know very popular thing to do right now to criticize our government and you know, yes we should you should, you know, challenge our government and we should ask questions and mm-hmm. poke and prod. Um but I found like when we had the head of NACRA on, Ollie Smith, I think right. was her name, that was a very first um, gift. Yeah, it was our very first guest, and that was for the National Association of Child Care. And, you know, I remember after that getting lots of letters and lots of information from people that was helpful saying, hey, look, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to change. And I know um, I was told that policies were changed based on our radio show and that people gave feedback. And for those of you listening today that want to have a voice, here's a chance. Here's your chance to come and, uh, you know, give some input in, and if you you want to send any of the information uh, to the station here? You're welcome to do that. You can send it to myself or Robin at Sandra at Military Mom Talk Radio or Robin at Military Mom Talk Radio, and we will make sure we forward it to the appropriate parties. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a great it's great to have that that um, empowerment. <laughs> I thought it was good and a voice. That's what, you know, that's why we're out there fighting, one of the reasons, you know, fighting for our freedoms here, and one of the big freedoms, and you know, I I, I pound on this <laughs> every couple months, I think, Robin, you know, is the mm-hmm. freedom of speech and the freedom mm-hmm. to speak out, and we just don't see that in many countries around the world, and we have that here, and so we want to exercise that right whenever we can. absolutely. Absolutely and then um i did find uh another blog actually um uh, which folk it, it looks like it's centered down in the fort carson area um it is called um off the base and it was uh, uh the article that i happened to pick up today was Um, there was a big deployment on June 11th, this past Saturday. Um, The author of the particular article I read was Tracy Chamboddy, if I pronounced her name correctly, and uh, it was focusing on the deployment. It was quite a large deployment. And um, this, blog also has interesting articles, including radio reports, which reach most of Central Florida, and I guess the station in that area is WUSF 89.7 News in Tampa, Florida. So I not only wanted to direct people down to that particular blog, which is offthebase.wordpress.com, um, but it also, they have some uh, pods, uh, podcasts, I believe, or at least some clips, some radio clips, for a lot of military people. A lot of people who are deployed numerous times um, will find a lot of resources at this particular um, uh, blog. So I thought it was very interesting, and we send our prayers and thoughts to all the families who were in this deployment, as in all the deployments that are out there, and uh, know that our thoughts are with all those families. Oh, that's a beautiful thing, Robin. You know what's interesting I noticed about our show is that Military Mom Talk Radio just became available in iTunes France and iTunes Germany. Oh, uh, my I, gosh. Yep, Andrew, I got that's some, amazing. Isn't that fun that we got notification? Um, yeah. I got some notification uh, through the iTunes account that, um, yeah, that we've been indexed, and, that, and it's interesting because it's only specific shows that seem to be showing up, but I thought that was pretty cool that we're, we're now, you know, available in France and Germany as well as well as on the Internet as a general yeah, rule. Yeah, and we are. We're, all of our podcasts are here on tokenet.com, on our show page, and at militarymomtalkradio.com and on iTunes. So that's that's one. And I in a couple of weeks ago when we did that Encore uh, compilation, it really is nice to go back and re-listen to some of the programs because sometimes we'll have a show and we'll we'll focus on something and we get caught up in an awful lot of other things and we'll say, Oh yeah, that's right. That was that that whatever that I was trying to trying to go to. So yeah, I, I hope people do go back and listen to a couple of uh, if not a lot of our podcasts because we really do have some amazing guests. Well, especially the PTSD shows, for those of you listening that right. want to learn more about PTSD, we've got a couple shows for that. And then uh, when we had Hoffman on for the Wounded Warriors Battalion West, for those of you who have service members, families that might be taking advantage of the programs that are available, listening to the Wounded Warriors program uh, that we had early on last year is really helpful. Uh, my name is Sandra Beck. I am the host of Military Mom Talk Radio, along with Robin Boyd. We're Going to welcome after the break, Rita Cosby. Uh, She is an outstanding journalist. Uh, Many of you might recognize her. She wrote a book about Anna Nicole Smith a couple years ago. She's a TV host and veteran correspondent. Uh, She was on Fox News Channel, MSNBC. She's won three Emmys. She was on the news magazine Inside Edition, and um, she's just a whole lot of fun. She moved mountains to be here for today's show. Her book is called Quiet Hero: Secrets from My Father's Past. You don't want to miss this. When we come back to the break, we will be welcoming Rita Cosby.
0: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back
2: after these. Ready for the most current feel-good gossip? Then check out Daytime with Donna with your host, Donna Intercastle. And sidekick Nina Fry. Every Friday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. You're Donna is a charismatic, market-driven entrepreneur who was part of the team that founded iVillage.com, which is the largest content-driven community for women today. Donna and Nina are here to empower you, motivate you, and encourage you in all aspects of your life. It's like Oprah on the radio. Plus, your chance to win great prizes, all the way up to a $500 Visa gift card. For more on Donna Intracasso, check out her website, intro Then join us for the show, Daytime with Donna, with your host, Donna Intricasso and sidekick, Nina Fry. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Innovation and insight, problems and solutions, capitalizing on your ideas and efforts. That's all a part of changing the world one invention at a time with Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 central on toginet.com. Rick will be sharing stories of innovation, invention, inspiration, and overcoming obstacles with guests who have been there, done that, and are doing that. Rick will be asking the right questions, helping you identify the real problems and show you how to act on your ideas by increasing consumer confidence and, more importantly, increasing your confidence to act on your ideas. For even more information, go to ThinkTech, that's T-E-K, globally.com. Then join us as Rick and his guest teaches how to develop new ideas and create new products, new businesses, new jobs. And together, let's get our economy growing again. It's changing the world one invention at a time. With author and inventor, Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on toginet.com. Put a
0: Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com
1: Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and Robin, I'm going to get right to it, because we don't want to waste any time not having our guest today on the air. She is Rita Cosby, the author of Quiet Hero. We're bringing her on today, because not only is her book fantastic, but this would make, for those of you looking for a really great Father's Day present, this is just such a great book. It's an easy read, it's interesting, it's insightful, it's Entertaining and um, Rita, I'm just so happy that you're here with us today.
3: Oh, I'm so thrilled to be with you, Sandra. This is terrific. And also, I just want to say to all your listeners, you know, thank you for everything that you are doing for the military. It's wonderful, and just your commitment to to all the branches that you've been doing for years. And uh, I'm delighted to be on the show with you. Oh, I'm. You know, your book, your book is so amazing
1: because the just can you run down for our listeners tell about the suitcase the that to me is just it's such an amazing story and i think you can tell it better than anybody
3: oh you know what i tell everybody keep Everything that you, you know, when someone passes away, and in this case, my mother passed away. And, you know, sort of fast forward, I guess, before all of this, because I had a bit of a a very disjointed relationship with my father. You know, I had to sort of think back, you know, when I was doing this book, when did I realize my dad was different? And I remember when my dad came back from a run, from a marathon, and he took his shirt off, and I saw all these scars all over his body. I was about eight years old at the time. And I remember asking my mother, you know, what happened to dad? Did he get in a fight? You know, know, just like a logical, like a curious child. And my mother said to me, Sandra, I'll never forget this. She said, Rita, your father went through tough times growing up. We don't talk about it. And it was clear the door was closed. You know, I wonder if I became an investigative journalist, you know, asking questions of everybody else on Fox News and elsewhere because I wasn't able to do it at home, you know.
1: Well, and that's pretty typical from the stories we hear of, you know, generations past. We, you know, we, we, we cover that in a lot of our PTSD shows that our parents, you know, in that generation did not want to talk about what happened.
3: Yeah, it's very typical. And in my father's case, it was times like five thousand because my dad was went through so I think such an incredible traumatic period, all as a teenager. I mean, my father wasn't fighting, you know, a war thousands of miles away, and he wasn't, you know, in his formative year. He was at a very young age. He was 13 years old when World War II broke out, and he was in Poland and literally saw the beginning of World War II and became a resistance fighter at a very early age. And all the things that my dad went through, all the extreme trauma that he went through, all of it he went through before the age of 20.
1: It and never it, spoke about it. As never spoke today. about
3: it for 65 years until I found that suitcase. <laughs> You know, and fast forward, you know, suddenly my, unfortunately, my mother passed away a few years ago, and I was hosting a show at Fox News at the time, and I remember it was, you know, very, you know, when you're when you're a public figure, I guess, like we are, um, I very much, you know, it was a very much a public matter. It was very difficult, and my mother really raised my brother and me. Um, my now, your had father left the family. had left. Yes, right? Your father left, left the family. He left the family very abruptly at Christmas. Um, and, in fact, I remember, you know, I was a teenager getting my makeup on in the bathroom and hearing my parents talking. My dad was never really home, even when he physically was home. He always was sort of mentally away and always very emotionally disconnected. And you talk about post-traumatic stress. You know, my father certainly had it and certainly um, really, you know, changed, you know, went from Richard Kozabutsky, freedom fighter, to American father in America, basically never talking about his past, never talking about Poland, as if it almost never happened.
1: Now, that was his Polish name, Richard yeah. Kozobowski.
3: That was his Polish name, you know, and then he changed it to Richard Cosby. I tell everybody, thank goodness, because if it was, you know, Fox News Live with Rita Kozabutsky, it would have been very difficult. <laughs> So I am thankful for that. That would have been even the Polish people had a hard time pronouncing it and spelling it. Yeah, that's Um, a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Um, But my dad left the family very abruptly, and I remember hearing my parents arguing. Here I was a teenager, and I remember my dad saying, "I'm leaving," and I thought he was just leaving work, maybe changing his jobs or something. And then he walked in the bathroom and basically told me he was leaving my mother and essentially left us extremely abruptly. It was Christmas. And did
1: you see him much after that, or was he just gone?
3: He was basically gone, and I don't know if my parents, I don't think my parents ever spoke again after that day. And it was uh, very painful and very confusing, because here I was a teenager, and I had no idea what happened to my father. I, I knew he obviously went through something traumatic that shaped him emotionally and physically, you know, by seeing the scars on his body, but obviously very emotionally. But what always confused me for decades um, until that suitcase was what happened to this man that he could leave a family so abruptly and so unemotionally. And I basically had almost little to no communication with him for decades after that Christmas. And I think what the hardest thing was – as a, you know, as a child, I remember seeing my mother was very upset. My mother was confused. I think she thought they had a good marriage. I thought we were pretty, you know, my brother and, and me were pretty good kids. Um, and But he very quickly was able to sort of seamlessly leave that family and move on and, and start a new life and didn't seem emotionally affected by it. And I think that's what was the hardest thing for me to understand until recently.
1: Because he just shut off.
3: He totally shut off and didn't seem phased by the whole thing. And here, you know, here I was like, wait, wait, where's my dad? Even if though he was traveling a lot when I was growing up, and he was always again very sort of emotionally distant anyway. But but to not think of your father being your father anymore, basically, and not being home and not being a part of your life in any shape or form, and your mother suddenly not having a husband after 32 years. I mean, they were married a long time. Right in the support. And and did he, when he left, he just left.
1: And was there no communication? Did he what? did he go on and do
3: he actually he was a civil engineer and he did actually move his com- you know leave his company soon after or actually relocate i should say stayed with the same company but relocated and i think my father just i remember my father saying to me he was approaching 60 years old at that point and my father said to me life's too short not to be happy and i need to make some changes and i need to do it now and you'll understand later in life rita but when you're not happy you have to make some changes And I remember thinking, he said it so matter of factly, like I'm, you know, you know, getting gas in the car. Meanwhile, he was, you know, leaving a family.
1: Right, and changes include me.
3: Yes, exactly. And it just, we were all so stunned. And my mother was very shaken by the whole thing. My brother and I were very, you know, just, and we learned to have to sort of basically grow up without a father. And my father, you know, there were, you know, decades where maybe I didn't even speak to my dad. I mean, it was, and when we did talk, it was very disconnected. And when my mother suddenly became very ill with cancer, um, I remember I talked to my dad briefly, and he just did not understand. He didn't get that, you know, how devastating it was—not just to my mother, certainly, but obviously to us too, as his children, that we were losing a mother. And I remember thinking, what happened to this man? That he is so unaffected by death and so unaffected by emotional, you know, you know, tragedies and. And not being able to comfort, he didn't seem fazed by someone dying, and let alone his wife of 32 years. And I just remember thinking, why is this man so numb? And then suddenly, as I mentioned, my mother passed away. And my brother and I had put all her stuff in storage. And remember, my mother raised the two of us, so it was very devastating when my mother suddenly passed. And my brother and I sort of put all our things in storage and said, okay, we'll get to them in a few years. Sure. And um, then we were emotionally ready to do it, and this was only about two and a half years ago. And we went through the storage locker, and suddenly in the corner I see this old, tan, battered suitcase. And I had never seen it before. Just by looking at it, I was like, oh, what is this? This is unusual. And I remember opening it up, and my jaw dropped inside was a rusty POW tag emblazoned with the word Stalag 4B. And then I found this red and white fighting Polish armband that had blood and dirt all over it and clearly was worn. And then I found a card that had all these code names. This person had this whole sort of secret life, you know, like a scene out of a, a Tom Cruise movie almost, you know. And then I found a card of an ex-POW named Richard Kosabutsky, And when I saw that, I just wept. I just sat there in that storage locker. You know, it's still emotional to this day, I think, about it. And just sitting there, and I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, this is my father. This is his past. This is what he didn't want to talk about for years, for decades. And I thought there for this moment, and I look at it very much as a turning point in my life and, and obviously in his life, too. And I said to myself, whatever pain I went through, as a daughter, not having a father for decades, you know, here I became the successful TV host and traveled all over the world and have had a very blessed life. Um, and I had a lot of pain, though, not having a dad around to share it with. But then I thought whatever pain I went through is minor compared to what he clearly went through as a prisoner of war. And I knew right away the thing I needed to do was to, re, you know, relocate my dad, to track him down, and to call him and reconnect with him.
1: Well, and what's amazing to me, Rita, is that he left that suitcase behind. I don't believe there's any accidents that way. I mean, and I, I
3: agree, too. It's so interesting you say that. I absolutely agree.
1: And that he saved these things. You know, when yes. you say you've got a bloody, you know, blood-stained Polish resistance armband, you know, rusted tags bearing a prisoner number, um, and I, it makes me think of uh, there's one of these projects that we work on um, that's for the I History channel, and they talk about, you know, these men getting to a point in their life, you know, and they're finally willing to talk about what happened to them. Um, but they didn't bring it to their families, and your father left this, I believe, for you to find.
3: I do, too. And and I also, and you know, it's interesting, he also, as much as my father never talked about this for 65 years, and as it turns out, never even talked to my mother about it either. I know more about my father than my mother ever did, which is interesting. Um, but my father, I believed, obviously, he clearly thought about this every day. And he kept those things. And when I saw, in fact, when I, I returned the items to him and, and we reconnected, and when I said to my dad, what is the, you know, what is? why didn't you wash the armband? Why did you keep? He said, I wanted to keep the blood of my comrades there. I wanted to keep the dirt of Warsaw because I wanted to never forget what happened there.
1: That is unbelievably painful and powerful and and just it's unimaginable it's absolutely unimaginable um when we come back from the break rita is going to talk to us about persuading her father to break his silence for those of you who have just Joined us uh, at Military Mom Talk Radio. My name is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Robin Boyd, and our guest today is the author Rita Cosby. She has written this amazing book, um, Secrets from Her Father's Past, Quiet Hero. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. You can probably pick it up in your bookstore. It's just an unbelievable story about a woman who found a suitcase containing relics from her father
2: Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join the soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites with more information on their passions and successes. First for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on Toginet.com. Hello everybody, this is Pete Dix asking if you'll join me on Beatles and
0: Beyond on this radio station. What a show I've got in store for you. Not only all the Apple reissues that I'll be looking at, some very rare tracks indeed, a report on my evening watching and listening to Neil Innes of the Ruttles and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. So please join me, Pete Dix, with Beatles and Beyond on this radio station.
1: Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra and Robin, and we have the best guest today. We have Rita Cosby. She is the author of Quiet Hero, Secrets from My Father's Past. It's a wonderful book. I have read it. I'm going to send it to my dad for Father's Day. And um, she has just had the most extraordinary experience, and for those of us Um, that are just joining us right now, Uh, she has found, uh, a couple years ago, she found a worn, tattered leather suitcase tucked away full of mementos, but those mementos included um, identity cards for her father as part of the Polish resistance, an armband. And after not speaking with her father for many years, after he had left the family, she tracked him down and had some questions. And I'd like to pick up, Rita, if we can, where we left off, How did you persuade your father to break his silence, which we know men of that generation and a lot of people who have gone through these situations, they don't want to talk about it.
3: Yeah, they don't. And my father, as I told you, was exemplified because he literally took on a whole new identity. I mean, he left you know Europe behind, came over to America, learned the language, changed his name from Richard Kozubutsky to Richard Cosby. Um, and in fact, you know, it's funny when I was at the you know at the dining room table. I remember at the dinner table with my family, you know, when I was young, my father would talk about World War II as if he was a spectator, you know, as if he watched it on television, never talking as if he was there. That's wow. how disconnected my father was, you know, and I think he just did it as a, as a survival mechanism. And so when I reached out to my dad, I'll tell you, I was so nervous. Here I am, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I was on Fox News 10 years, you know, doing things now with, with Inside Edition. I've interviewed, you know, a lot of who's who and interesting people. I was so nervous to make the call. To my father.
1: So you're this famous television personality, <laughs> yes.
3: scared to call your dad. <laughs> and we had not talked in years. And I thought to myself, you know, what if he rejects me? You know, am I ready? Mm-hmm. You know, what if he's emotionally numb as he had been for so many years in the past? But then I said to myself, I'm an adult now, and I need to call him. I need to find out not just who he is, I need to find out who I am. And I hope that he's ready to share it because, you know, he's getting up in years. He's 85 years old now. And I tracked down my dad, and he was so happy to hear from me. And I think the reason I broke through with my dad, and I'm so happy that my story has a a very happy ending um, because my dad and I are now incredibly close, and I think almost closer than most daughters and fathers in the world are truly because we went through such incredible hurdles together, um, that I think... I went with such a loving approach to my dad. When I called him, you know, I didn't come across and say, hey, dad, you know, why'd you leave us high and dry at Christmas? And, you know, why were you not a present in my life for 30 years? You know, yeah, those are never good icebreakers. Yeah, those, that's not a good icebreaker, right? <laughs> and what I did do was I said, dad, I want to know what you went through. I think I'm ready. I'm an adult, and I'd like to talk, and I'd like to get to know who you are. And, and you got to share the story, dad. Just, I, you know, I was, I was not approaching him as a journalist at first, and not even as an author at first. I was approaching him as a daughter wanting to get to know my dad and I think despite trying to be tough and grow without him and live without him I obviously really miss my dad you know and when I called him he was so happy to hear from me and then I went down and saw him he lives right outside Washington DC I live in New York and we went I went down there and um, it started this incredible journey. And as NL1, Let me ask you, um, stop to yep, right here. I'm yep, going to ask ahead. you, how did you feel when you first saw your dad? You hadn't seen him in a
1: long time. You've got this suitcase full of stuff that you want to talk about. What was going through your head when you first saw him?
3: Oh, all these questions. I mean, at first, you know, first I was curious to see him. I mean, I hadn't seen him in a long time. I mean, he obviously looked older to me. You know, my dad was a, was, has always been the beacon of health. Even at 85, he still looks very good. You know, he looks like 85 going on 60. And in Is fact, he 85 on
1: the cover of your book?
3: He's 80 three, almost 84. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, he looks
1: great. Both he looks,
3: and, and the thing is, too, because my father stayed so physically active, he's so mentally active as well. I mean, my father's memory is incredible. And, again, even though he didn't talk about these things for 65 years, he remembered it. He almost remembered, like, okay, it was Tuesday, you know, September 1944. You know, I mean, he could wow, remember. That finite detail. Incredible, and, like, almost time of day on certain things. And, by the way, as a journalist, I did track down a lot of things to, you know, coordinate what he was doing, to, uh, you know, add on to what he was saying. And he it was, was right every single sure. time. He was right. Wow. <laughs> it was incredible. In fact, one time I got a pair of some documents back from the Polish government because they were so excited when they heard my dad was ready to talk because my dad was one of the few who survived, I think, one of the biggest bloodbaths in World War II. And so when they heard who my father was and they tracked down and found records in Poland, even though Poland basically burned to the ground, they had testimony from other guys in my father's unit, the other few who survived. And they said, do you realize who your father is? He's a hero in Poland we need to find out. They've been so excited about this. And when they tracked down documents, they said, they gave me one document of an injury, and they said, oh, it happened on September um, 2nd, 1944. And my dad said, no, I think that was September 23rd or 4th, because I think it was a Tuesday, and, you know, he's going back. And sure enough, two weeks later, the Polish Consulate comes back to me and said, hey, we made a mistake. It's September 23rd.
1: Isn't that amazing? What amazing attention to detail. And it just
3: shows that, you know, what goes through these, even though he hadn't talked about it, clearly he It was was repeating in his mind over and over again. And and the getting of the story, the breaking of the silence, and I feel like I am so blessed, you guys, that I was able to break through with my dad because my dad, it was pulling teeth. It wasn't like all of a sudden, hey, I'm ready to tell the story. It was bits and pieces, and then we'd spend more time, and then the next day we'd spend more hours. And I spent more time with my dad for about a six-month period than I did my entire life. And it was the most incredible journey. And then my dad and I went back. Poland together we retraced his steps when I returned that especially you know what triggered it I returned that armband and when my dad saw those items first we talked for a bit and then I gave him the suitcase back and then we started talking and when I gave him the suitcase with the red and white armband and he took it out and he put it right on his arm right away like as if he was fighting again and he looked at it and he held it and you could tell it was like it represented his, his comrades and he said to me he said I wonder who survived and I said, dad, he had not been back in 65 years. He left Poland. When he left, Poland was in flames. And that was the last time he, literally the last time he left, he was held at gunpoint, shoved on a rail car by the Nazis, didn't know where he was going to end up, thought it was maybe his last, you know, day on his life. And Warsaw was literally in rubble. Warsaw was 87% rubble by most estimates, so you can imagine what he, you know, he left hell. But and he was then, how old at this point? At that point, he was uh, 18 years old. Five years of fighting, and then he was taken to a POW camp for six months until he escaped. And so my father just was so traumatized and never wanted to go back to Poland. I think he was too scared. To you know, confront the the ghosts of his past, if you will. And, when and about he saw this, that his family banding, that
1: was there. What about his 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 family? his family that was there.
3: He lost touch with all of them. He had stayed touch very minimally after the war. Because what's interesting, after all these things my father went through. My father could not go back to Poland because Poland became a communist country after World War II. Remember, the Russians took it over. And the Russians, not only the poor Poles. I mean, if you see a Polish resistance fighter who's alive to this day, shake their hand because they are true heroes. And these guys were fighting with sticks and Molotov cocktails against the most brutal war machines in the world. My father was fighting at one point in his unit. They had 150 men. Two of them had guns. Can you imagine? And you're fighting the Nazi war machine. And then also the Russians, they were hoping at one point was going to help them. The Russians did not, as we know from history. And then the Russians, of course, hated the Polish resistance fighters. So when Poland, after World War II, became a communist country, my father could not go back. Despite being, you know, everything he went through, fighting for his country, surviving everything he did, he could not go back to his country. So he had very minimal contact with his parents and any other relatives because he didn't want to tip off the communist minders who were listening in on phone calls. Oh, sure. That, isn't that amazing that, he, you know, so when he would call, he had a very short phone call one time with his mother. I think that was hit since the war until she passed, sadly. And I remember him telling me that the phone call, he acted, he had to act like it was a stranger calling. She knew oh. it was him, but he had to pretend like it was some, you know, just generic person calling because he didn't want to tick the minders off that it was a family of a resistance fighter.
1: Or they right, could have been the tortured. most loving, loving thing he could do for his family was to walk away.
3: Isn't that, and you know what's interesting? When I, when I was growing up, I'd always get letters from my dad, you know, just very minimal letters, and it would always say, Yours Richard. And I'm thinking, really? Yours Richard, what about love dad? Yeah. Because everybody else would get love, Dad, and I would get yours, Richard, and it was because that was the way my dad just that was the way he dealt with family growing so was up. Was
1: it the same for your brother and your yes. so it was just he was identified with the rich it was it too painful for him to identify as family?
3: I think so. And I think and I think just that was the way he knew, you know, to protect his family and that's what he grew up in. So that's what carried over when he became a father. And it's 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 interesting how and of course how was I to know I just remember getting these letters from yours Richard thinking who was you know yeah that's kind of well weird yeah. yeah you know what, you know what's amazing you guys my dad took me back and this is where I really think I broke through with my dad he took me back and I hope that this inspires everybody to 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 go, and I really pushed it with my father because he wanted to have resolution. You could tell. And so I said, Dad, let's go back to Poland together. And we literally held hands as he took his first step on polar soil, first time in 65 years. He was He was trembling like a child. He was so nervous going over there, but he said, I feel like I need to go back. I need to see who survived. I want to see what happened to my country. And so when we went back, my father took me to the scene, where he says he lost all emotion. It was in the middle of the Warsaw Uprising. My father was fighting, you know, people were dying all around him. 80% of his men, by the way, died in the uprising. You can imagine the odds my father was against. And so at one point in the uprising, his girlfriend and some other of his colleagues at the time as a teenager seized this German tank, and they were just so excited. You know, what a windfall. Here are these guys fighting with Molotov cocktails and sticks, and they grab a Nazi tank. You know, what a what a coup. Yeah. And so they're parading on the tank, and my father heard about this, and his girlfriend said, I'm going to go over to the tank. And my dad said, no, oh, this seems a little fishy. You know, it's a little strange that we got the tank. And she said, no, oh, I'm going to go parade. We're going to drive around the town square, and we're going to show it off. And my dad walked away. He walked away a few blocks, and suddenly the ground shakes, and the tank exploded. And on top oh of the tank God. was my father's girlfriend and all his comrades. And my father ran back and said it was just rivers of blood. And now when we went back there in Poland, it's the scene of where 500 people were killed. 800 were injured. They did indeed take it to a busy town square. And so many people were killed. And now it's now there's a plaque there honoring those who died, including my father's girlfriend and many of his comrades. And my father, when he took me back there, first of all, my father just broke down in tears. Here's this man. You know, who my entire life was so unemotional.
1: Rita, I hate to interrupt you. I need to take a commercial break. Our guest today on Military Mom Talk Radio is Rita Cosby. She is the author of an outstanding book called Quiet Hero, Secrets from My Father's Past. For those of you who have just joined us, uh, her book is about her father's past in serving with the Polish resistance in World War II. She found a suitcase of his mementos, and this led to an amazing book that she has written. When we come back from the break, we will be talking about the adventure she's had with her father once she's gone to Poland and met the former president of Poland.
0: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back. After these.
2: Why do I feel so lousy? Why aren't my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod, Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a 6-year-old recovering from autism, for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, ShannonPenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com Put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list.
1: Military Moms. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and our guest today is Rita Cosby. She's the author of a wonderful book, A Perfect Gift for Father's Day. She has not given us anything promotion-wise to uh, promote her book and the sale of her book. Uh, this is purely because it's a wonderful book that I had the luxury of reading. She has got a great website. It's Quiet Hero, just like the title, quiethero.org, and uh, we had her earlier in the show, for those of you who are just tuning in, we encourage you to listen to us on iTunes, check us out at Military Mom Talk Radio. You can also download previous shows from MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or from our host company site, TogiNet.com. When we left um, for the break, Rita, you were telling us a very compelling story about Uh, your father when you first returned home after 65 years back to poland
3: oh yeah we go back to the scene of where a tank exploded a german tank and his girlfriend was on the tank his comrades were on the tank my father heard you know the ground shake he ran back and the tank you know they believe was probably booby trapped or something and clearly it exploded in a busy town square 500 people were killed 800 injured, massive scene, you know, of destruction. And my father ran back, and he said, looking for a piece of his friends. And there was nothing. He said it was just rivers of blood. And my father, when we went back to the scene of where that happened, he just broke down in front of me. And here was my dad, you know, the history with my dad. He was so unemotional and so numb my entire life. I had never seen him cry. And then he broke down in just tears and wept. just uncontrollably and he looked up at me and he said i'm so sorry rita he said you know after seeing what i saw here that day i had to shut myself off i had to keep fighting i was fighting for my country and i had to keep going and i had the only way i could survive mentally after seeing just the rivers of blood was to shut everything off because i knew i had to fight for my comrades now who weren't with us anymore and he said, and I'm so sorry that carried over into the way I acted as a father and the rest of my life and I, and, I, you know, and the way I treated the family. I'm so, so sorry. And the two of us just hugged at that moment. And that's where I really feel that I broke through. And after that moment, it's funny, now my dad is an amazingly loving father. And, and I feel that I, you know, at the end of the day, this has been a very turbulent decade with my dad, but at the end of the day, I feel that I hope my story completely inspires other people to reach out to their parents, their their sons, their daughters who are over there in battle, have them talk about it, because after my dad shared the most painful moments of his life with me, now the two of us have bonded like you would not believe, and it's been the most amazing journey of my life.
1: Well, and how interesting that, like the suitcase that contained those precious relics um, from the Polish resistance, your father kept everything tightly sealed inside just like that suitcase.
3: Yes. Absolutely. And
1: walked through this world without sharing with anyone until you unlock the key.
3: And I'm so glad I did. And I think, you know, I think I did it maybe with the love of a daughter and the persistence of a journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, And my father will say, look, if if Rita had not reached out and been so persistent and also wanting to know so much, I don't think I ever would have shared the story. And to the end, the reason I picked the title Quiet Hero for the book, and again, the website, quiethero.org, quiethero.org for information, not just on the book, but also how you can get help, you know, for folks who are listening, that, I feel the reason I picked it was to the bitter end, my father would never call himself a hero, and if you hear his story it 's anything you know anything but heroic. I mean, when you hear it it 's so incredible and I, I wanted to say one important thing about my dad 's story after fighting in all the battles he went through, after you know the tank exploded, he continued fighting, he was later captured, taken to a prisoner of war camp he escaped at ninety pounds and six feet tall. My dad escaped, and he 's in the woods. For two and a half days. He'd been fighting now, frontline fighting, where he was, you know, where the tank exploded was not too far from his home. I mean, my father was fighting for his homeland, for freedom. You know, not just, not a distant land, but literally his front door, you know? And I think that's why they were such ferocious fighters. They had to fight. And so here he is, you know, he's escaped from the POW camp. He's with other prisoners. They look up they're in the woods two and a half days, and they see in the sky a plane comes by, and they dive for the ditches, thinking this is a German plane. You know, they're in Germany at this point. Mm-hmm. It's still wartime. And they assume, oh, my gosh, we've been spot- you know, spotted. This is the end of it. And then they look up again. They see the plane again, and the plane drops something out, and they dive for the ditches, thinking it's a grenade, because that's what, again, they had been living with. And all of a sudden they looked up, and they saw a star. And they realized at that moment it was an American plane. Mm. and what was dropped out was not a grenade, but it was a chocolate bar with a note wrapped around it, tied with a red ribbon. And the note came down. This is my favorite part of my dad's story. The note said, Welcome. It's safe to walk now during daytime. There are no troops between you and our American lines. You have 15 miles to walk, and you're free. My father at that moment ran with his men, 90 pounds, 6 feet tall, my dad, ran to American troops 15 miles west is what they went. And they ran to a riverbed and ran into these young American GIs who were 18 years old on the other side of the riverbed, who hugged my dad and said, you're free, your nightmare's over. And at that point my father said, I am coming to America because it is the greatest country in the world to send their men same age as my dad, both, you know, they were 18, these GIs. My dad was only 18 at this point. You know, to send their men and women thousands of miles away to save me, to save this ragtag group of Poles. And my father said at that point, I am coming to America. So as soon as he sort of got his life together and got organized, he came to this great country because he said he wanted to give back. And that's why this book is so special to me and my dad. This is not just a book. This has been the most incredible journey of my life. And my father, too. And my father wanted to make sure that this book and again it's called quiethero.org quiethero.org is the website because proceeds from the book go to wounded troops and their families because this is my father's way to say thank you to those brave men and women who are on the other side of the riverbed 65 years ago or so and told him he was free and
1: tell them, and it reminds us all what it really means to be an American.
3: Absolutely, we are such a great country, and and we continue to send our, you know, our our precious men and women thousands of miles away, who I think are the greatest fighting force in the world, and I absolutely believe they freed the world, you know, in World War II, and do it time and time again. And so for me, it's been such a great honor, not just to share my dad's story, but to honor. You know, the great fighting force of the world back then in World War II, and all the men and women who are still making tremendous sacrifices today, not just in our country, but you think about, you know, what a great service we do in so many parts of the world, you know, stepping in there in World War II, and who would have thought, you know, at that riverbed in Germany, one of them was my dad. Mm
1: -hmm. Rita, when you started uh, pulling the information together for this, did you do a lot of it on tape, or did you just sit and talk and take notes with your dad,
3: or just sit there and digest his words? You know, I did a combination. At first, I digested the words, but then we also did film it, and we're going to be doing a documentary in the future, too, as well. Wonderful. And then, um, and then we filmed my dad going back to Poland. Everything. Oh, we did film that, and and that was just an incredible moment. You know, you can just imagine how his reaction and and everything he was experiencing and feeling and seeing. And we filmed him going back to the tank, and it's um it's incredibly emotional, needless to say. Mm.
1: Well, and your father, did he get to meet the former president of Poland? Did you guys meet
3: him? He did. Can you imagine? Here's my dad, who left, again, at gunpoint, hobbling, was near death at this point, shoved on a rail car by the Nazis and not knowing where he's going. That was his last day in Poland. And then he comes back, and he got a hero's welcome from the president of Poland, a democratically elected president, needless to say. To so my father, it just was sort of a surreal moment for him to walk in there, and he got a special commendation from him. And interestingly enough, President Kaczynski, the late president who died in the tragic plane crash, um, and we met him a few months before, he was his father and my father were in the same unit in the uprising really? for a brief period of time. Wow! Um, so he was so fascinated to meet my dad and curious what life was like, and and just like you guys said, he said he looked at my father and said, "Do you weren't in the uprising? You look too young." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, my dad was thrilled to hear that.
1: <laughs> but what an amazing thing, Rita, to to go from you know probably anger and mistrust. And, you know, not understanding why your father did the things he did when he walked away from the family to becoming this quiet hero that has touched lives, that has moved mountains, it's got to be overwhelming.
3: You know, it was one of the most beautiful moments in my life. Um, The book made the New York Times bestseller list, the Washington Post bestseller list, and and USA Today bestseller list, which I was so happy because it means more money for the troops. Um, And one of the greatest moments of my life was when we hit the New York Times bestseller list to call my dad. Think about this moment. Here's my father, who could barely speak a word of English. I think he came with $100 in his pocket at the most over to America, Um, you know, to this great country that came and saved him. And here it is, you know, fast forward, you know, almost, you know, seven decades later, and a book about his life is on the New York Times bestseller list and a book honoring his comrades and the U.S. troops. It was a great call for me to make. And when I called my dad, I said, congratulations, and he said, congratulations to Poland and congratulations to our great U.S. military, you know, because he knew right away that this is a tribute to them. And even to this day, my dad. If you ask him, you know, well, you know, it, it's incredible what you went through. It's, it's heroic. My dad would say, no, the real heroes are his comrades who did not make it back, and especially those incredible U.S. troops who saved his life. You know, and, and my father will never forget those faces on the young on the other side of the riverbed who were just cheering and shouting. And here he was, you know, 90 pounds. And my dad said, when he came up upon it, almost looked like a mirage.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Enrita, I'm going to say I'm going to add on to that hero list. Also, is you, my friend, because for you, there's a lot of people that would walk away from a situation. There's a lot of people that wouldn't dig to find the truth. They wouldn't back check, cross check. You know, make this a personal mission of yours. You know, as a journalist myself, a former journalist, you're currently a journalist. Um, it's a lot of work. It's heartbreaking. I'm so glad that you did this and you also exercised the freedom that we have as women in our country to produce a book like this to travel around the world to report the truth as you see it I am very proud of you as well as your father oh. I think there's a lot of heroes on the air today
3: oh and you know what it's been I'm, I'm, I'm yes. humbled because it to me it's been the greatest joy for me I've had the pleasure as a journalist going over in the you know Middle East and in Afghanistan seeing our troops in action and now when i see them and i think about you know they were some of them you know just a little older than the ones who saved my dad i am so thankful we're an american and to me to be able to give back has been a gift
1: thank you you've been an outstanding guest today and we will come back next week with marilee fitzgerald from the department of defense education unit